This episode of the Gondrepreneur Podcast is made possible by 420 friendly service providers in the Gondrepreneur Business Directory. If you need professional help with your business, from accounting to legal services to consulting, marketing, payment processing, or insurance, visit gondrepreneur.com slash businesses to find service providers who specialize in helping cannabis entrepreneurs like you. Visit the Gondrepreneur Business Directory today at gondrepreneur.com slash businesses. Hey there, I'm your host, T.G. Brandfault, and thank you for listening to the Gontrepreneur.com podcast, where we try to bring you actionable information and normalize cannabis through the stories of Gontrepreneurs, activists, and industry stakeholders. Today, I'm joined by Jason Ambrosino. He's a former Army officer. He's the owner of Cohoes, New York-based veterans hemp market. Uh, Cohoes is notably a former manufacturing town outside of Albany. He's a vocal cannabis advocate who this year launched his company, hoping to provide CBD for the everyday hero. Uh, I've been fortunate enough to have uh, some of these pre-rolls that I found at a local uh, market up here in the Adirondacks. Uh, So I'm looking forward to this. How are you doing this, this morning, Jason? Good, Tim. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm super stoked. Uh, it's not really every day that I actually get to talk to uh, somebody whose product I've actually used uh, because I don't live in a legal state. And I talk to a lot of, you know, uh, THC uh, entrepreneurs. Uh, but this is about you, man. Tell me about yourself. How did you end up uh, in the cannabis space? I'm sure it's a real interesting story, judging by your background. Well, it, it really is. You know, I got out of the Army, retired out of the Army in 2014, uh, medically retired, actually. Years prior, I had gotten blown up, and you know, I had a variety of health problems, PTSD, the normal charade of problems that most veterans face. And when the Army was done with me, when the Army's done with anybody, they uh, they kind of say, okay, go find a new life. And that's, and that's pretty much how it feels, because that's your family. That's everything you know is tied to that organization. So, you know, when you're given seven months and say, go figure it out, well, you start figuring things out. And, and what you what you find out is it's tough when you get out. And uh, there's a lot of stuff you have to deal with and cope with. And, and jobs get a little bit more difficult because people in the civilian world aren't necessarily understanding of, of what veterans go through. And I said, you know, this, there's got to be a better way here. And uh, I started doing a lot of reading and uh, I, I read this book. I'm trying to remember what the name of it is here. I'll, I'll have to give it to you at the end of the program because it's not coming at this minute. But I read this book, then it had a lot to do with the, the use of cannabis, the use of different types of psychedelics uh, for the treating these types of problems, uh, PTSD-related uh, uh, issues, uh, psychological things that you deal with as a veteran. And, and in this book, I started reading about cannabis and opened my mind to it of which at the time was kind of back and forth. You know, I didn't mind people doing what they did, but I certainly didn't have the knowledge base that I have now. And for years, for about a year and a half, I I just filled my mind up with this information. I said, well, you know, it's it's time. It's time to try this and see how it helps me. And I didn't know where to turn. You know, I'm in the same state as you. It's It's not a legal state. And honestly, the medical program in New York State is, uh, it needs work. It needs a lot of work. So, you know, I do, did what anybody did, would do. I went out and find some, found someone, and I, I, I got, got product for myself, and I, I started medicating, and I, the results were immediate. And, I, you know, this is 
I, I feel better. I, I, I'm getting the more and more I use it, the more I'm dialing in, uh, the more I'm dialing in my dosage. And oh, by the way, now I'm starting to notice that since the stress is going down, since the anxiety is going down, oh, well, the pain's starting to go down as well. And it, it, it all just kind of clicked at the same time. Like, well, you know, we're, we're, we're missing the picture here. So I, I was already a cannabis supporter. And then I was, you know, had issues with regards to always having to, you know, be in that stone state. And anyone who depends on cannabis for medical reasons, uh, they understand what I'm talking about. And it's a constant battle of, uh, you know, building a tolerance up so that you can increase the amount of THC enough to get to the pain threshold that you're trying to deal with. And so it's, it's a constant battle. And I started looking into this side of it and said, well, you know, where, what is actually going on with these components, with these cannabinoids that are inside this product? And what's, how is that affecting me inside my body? And what, and, and it was just at the time where we were really starting to dig into the CB1, the CB2, and now just recently, they believe there's a CB3 receptor. And it just made sense to me that, well, you know, CBD should accomplish all these other things. And all I got to do is treat it exactly like cannabis so that I'm getting the full, the full range effect of the, uh, the cannabinoid profiles, your entourage effects, your terpene profiles, which is notice our slogan is we're about to flower. And over the next couple of years, I started researching the CBD space. And then everything just kind of came to a head in 2018 with the farm bill. And I was already treating myself. I had already had pretty much all the contacts I needed to have. And, and I saw where the market was going. And we knew in 2014, you know, with some of these other companies like Hempworks that were popping up and they just weren't doing the right thing. They, they were in it to make money and take advantage of a situation. They weren't there to help people and provide them with good medicine because the idea that that hemp and cannabis and marijuana uh, it's all the same thing it's just the difference of something being sour or sweet it's a profile inside that that plant but it's the same plant that was like earth shattering to a lot of the people we spoke to and that's how we get to 2018 of saying we need to expand this because it's helping me it's helping my friends and uh, more veterans need access to this. And if they don't have to get bogged down by the worry of being constantly stoned and they can engage in this and it can help them, then there's, there's not only is there a huge market here, but there's a huge amount of people that need to be helped. So how does, you know, how do you go from, you know, an officer in the army? I mean, that's, that's a, that's a massive undertaking and, and uh, you know, and I mean, anyone that I've, I've spoken to about it, you know, they talk about how impressive, you know, the, the person has to be to get to that point. Um, how does that experience drive your mission and, and what skills uh, translate from, you know, that role to the cannabis space? It's always difficult to figure out what skills transfer to any space out of the military because it's such a little it's such a niche thing that we do uh but i but i would say I, let me answer this by saying how that has helped me because being in the military particularly being an officer and having a, a successful career when i was in the military has helped me gain uh clout i should say with a lot of people that would otherwise dismiss the idea of cannabis uh, as something that we should have in our everyday lives. 
And uh, I hope I don't confuse your, your, your listening audience too much because I'll refer a lot of times to cannabis rather than just CBD because at the end of the day, it's the same plant. And I would say that the, uh, the, the, the willingness to, to drive on, regardless of anything else that's going on around you, kind of, you got to kind of drown out the noise and keep pushing forward. But the respect that I, I had received when I was in the military and I received as a veteran because I was an officer has just allowed a lot of people who would otherwise have dismissed this to come in and say, hey, you know, maybe maybe there's more something to this. Maybe I should sit down and listen. Maybe I can open my heart and my mind and and uh, learn something that I didn't know. And that's that's what we've seen lately in the past six months. It's been overwhelming to see, you know, the the Baptist minister coming up to the table at one of these events we do and say, well, you know what? I, I, I want to just forget everything that I've ever been taught because for 70 years I was taught that this is wrong and bad. And I want to hear what you have to say because clearly you guys are doing something right where, you know, goes back to the veteran suicides, right? Obviously we've got a problem. We're doing something wrong when 22 veterans are killing themselves every day. So uh, I think people are finally looking for solutions to that, and the military has given us a mouthpiece or a uh, a window or a doorway uh, to to bring this information to these folks. I mean that's that's super interesting, and I, and I've spoken to uh, several other veterans who have uh, launched companies. Neva comes to mind that that have said the same thing. Uh, so it's interesting to hear you echo uh, sort of that the. Uh, you know what I what I heard from them a few months ago, and th- th- you mentioned the suicides, and I mean that we have to sort of partly attribute that that attribute that at least to federal policy. The VA, uh, you cannot uh, get medical cannabis if you are uh, in the v- in the care of the VA, um, and you know there's obviously a prohibition if you are active duty military, you can't you know consume cannabis. Um, where, where, what do you think of, of all of the sort of federal policies that have, you know, been launched, or introduced and, and kicked back, right, defeated? Uh, which one do you think might help uh, veterans most as it relates to cannabis, CBD, uh, THC, you know, especially dealing with PTSD? It's a tough question because it's, it's almost like um, we're, we're, we're so far away from a solution with regards to the VA and how they handle veterans, uh, you know, with cannabis that it's, it's hard to even start the conversation because federal prohibition preclude, essentially precludes them from doing anything with it. Because the minute that they say, okay, well, it's okay for veterans, now federally we still have this, this, this thing sitting on Schedule 1, um, it doesn't work like that in the federal government. You can't have it one way and have it the other. It has to be consistent policy across the board. So really, we kind of have to, we got to back up and say, okay, what what do veterans need? What What's going to help them? And then the answer is going to be, uh, well, really, it's a, a, a self-determining thing where you've got to take the time to dial in what's going to work for you. And it's not necessarily going to work for everyone. In, in doctors, in, in psychiatrists, they hate to hear that. They hate that. They hate the fact that they can have two patients that have the exact same conditions and they can, you know, use cannabis and one succeeds with it and one doesn't. But one still succeeded with it. So rather than dismissing it altogether, we should say, okay, well, this is an option. And if it works, it works rather than saying, okay, well, 
these are the 47 different uh, psychotherapeutic drugs that we're going to put you on. No, oh, by the way, you're going to feel like a zombie for the rest of your life. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of uh, bad information out there with regards to uh, veterans and cannabis. I recently had a gentleman come up to me. He knew he wanted to believe he knew what he was talking about right now in the tea. And the reason he couldn't, you know, use cannabis was because uh, he would lose his VA benefits. That, that's just simply not true. If the, the VA is not going to strip your VA benefits away from you, uh, if you have decided that you're going to use cannabis, they're not going to pay for it, but they're not going to strip your VA benefits away from you. If they've got you on a whole lot of painkillers, a lot of opiates, yes, you're, under, you're going to be under uh, a, a, a larger microscope because... Um, they want to make sure that one's not potentiating the other because we know that there's things that can happen when these things are mixed. So there's a reason for it, but they're, they're never going to come up to you and say, you know what, this is working for you, but you, we, we're going to take away all your benefits. It's just, it's just not the way it works. Um, that's where the cost comes into it. And, you know, you made a comment, well, what's going to work for it? Is it CBD, THC, what's it going to be? And I think the answer is always, it depends you know, um, we may find that we can get a a one to one strain, which you know one one th one per, one part THC to one part CBD, and that's going to work amazingly well for anxiety. But to handle your night pain at night, to handle it so uh, you can sleep through the night, you might need something that's ten parts THC and one part CBD. All of these kind of change depending on uh, what we need. So whatever the solution is and wherever we go with it, and this is nationwide, state by state, uh, the CBD market and the THC market, they need to grow together. They need to be dealt with policy together at the same time. And we also have to go back and we have to kind of like uh, wipe our minds of the way that we've been taught to think about medicine because, yeah, this is a medicine, but at the same time, it's also a plant. It's an herb. And we have to go back and we have to look at, we've got all these other herbs that are in existence and we know they have far reaching effects and they're not treated like cannabis because they're not mainstream. I mean, that's the only reason it, it, it simply doesn't make, make, make much sense. I don't think it makes much sense to anyone, but you have all these little craft markets, all these little craft niche industries that are, are popping up. And then you've got big States like, like New York, for example, that wants to hold everything consolidated and essentially everything else. They don't want you to grow your own. They don't want you to do any of that. Well, that's, that's the old pharmaceutical industry mind because the idea is, well, if we have all of our plants that are grown all the same way, they're all the same strain, then we know exactly what the product is that we're going to get going in from the beginning and out to the end. But we, don't, we know that cannabinoids don't work that way and that variety is basically the spice of life because a train wreck strain that's working for you one day might not work for you three weeks down the road, you might have to switch to a pineapple express. And those varieties have to be out there and they have to be available to you. And you have to know that at a certain point in time, you're going to have to bring in some different variety in order to help you. The craft mark market attributes to that. The quality is there. Everything's there. But unfortunately, in, in like places like New York, we're kind of dismissing that. And it's important to, again, talk about it. In, 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 hey, here's CBD, here's THC. At the end of the day, they're grown the same way, which means that it means that 
they're going to have that same characteristic um, with regards to building tolerance and things like that. And I have people come to me all the time and they say, this tincture oil, this CBD tincture oil right here, this is the one that I had. You know, it started working and then it just stopped for me. And they get the idea that, well, it worked for me and it stopped. It must be in my head. No, that's not necessarily what happened. What probably happened is that your body got used to those prof- those cannabinoid profiles and you needed to take a tolerance break or you needed to go to a different company and get their oil because their biomass is made from uh, hemp that was harvested in Vermont. And the one that you're using is hemp that was harvested in Kentucky. Obviously, they're not going to have, if it's a full spectrum, they're not going to have the same cannabinoid profile or the same terpene profile. It's it's kind of like we're forgetting all these things, and I'm getting a little bit off topic, but I think it's all related because um, it's almost like uh, too much regulation could cause more harm than good, which means that pro ending pro pro prohibition could possibly cause more harm than good when when we're talking about people having access to their medicine. It's a, it's a very sort of upstate New York philosophy, though, that, that more regulation, um, you know, might not be good for the industry. Um, and I want to talk to you about New York's hemp industry. Uh, we've had, you know, the pilot program uh, for a couple of years now. I think it's I think it's going on four or five years. Um, and, you know, with the passage of the farm bill, obviously, it, it sort of blew up. Uh, you know, two years ago, you could not find any hemp flower in New York state, impossible. Uh, now you can buy hemp derived product literally at a mall. Uh, there is, uh, I've, I've had products, your products. I've had my, you know, my, my friend owns a CBD dispensary. I've had his products. Uh, I've lived in Vermont and I noticed a great disparity between the CBD products that I had in, uh, Vermont and New York. Uh, New York's I mean, most of the ones I had sort of over the counter in New York weren't very good right and then compared to the stuff i would get that was grown in vermont even in new york so so sort of tell me about the state of new york's hemp industry why uh, do you think that they've sort of lagged behind on the quality the overall quality of the products that that enter the space and uh tell me a bit about your products i've had like i said one of your pre your pre-rolls it was the uh, diesel um it was great to be honest with you um you know i, I was uh I, I I smoked some and I, and I felt a little sleepy, which is what I like CBD for. It always you know calms me down uh, pretty good. So uh, you know it was a good experience for me. But tell me uh, about the New York industry, what you're experiencing, and why we are seeing those disparities from say New York to Vermont. In, in New York State, everything is about money, and uh, ain't that the damn truth? <laughs> in New York State, everything is about money, and it's, it revolves around politics. And a lot's changed since 2014. The entire program has gotten rewritten since 2008, since the Farm Bill came out, or at least they're attempting to rewrite it. But what New York did was they, just kind of what we already mentioned, they limited the number of permits that were out there. And they basically gave them to friends and allies and buddies and campaign donors. And they said, okay, well, here's your, here's your permit for CBD hemp. Now, a lot of these people they gave permits to, they don't know anything about it. They didn't know how to grow it. They didn't know what it was used for. Heck, most of them probably didn't even know what equipment they were going to need to grow it, but they took the permits. And what we saw with one of them, uh, which was a permit that was given to the Falcone brothers, 
uh, you know, who had made a, a nice fat $40,000 campaign donation. Um, the Falcone brothers said, oh, and on top of that, they got a $200,000 grant for building a facility with a grant program that was never supposed to award more than $100,000 per entry. But so, No shit. Yeah. So, <laughs> so they, they get this grant. They buy this land just south of Bingington, right on the Pennsylvania border. And they say, okay, we're going to build the largest processing facility in the country because that's what every single processor says. Every processor will tell you that they're the largest vertically integrated processor. It's kind of a joke in the industry. So they, they put all this public information out. They never even break the ground. And their shovels never break the ground. And they sell off the license. They sell off the land and... Uh, actually two licenses, processing and growing, and they sell off their entire business model to Canopy Growth. And that is pretty much where New York wants its CBD industry to go if you talk to the regulators. They want one big company to come in here who basically can control the products. They don't want any smokable product in the state. They don't want, that's why you didn't see the development of a flower. That's why right from the get-go, when we went to, I consult at a number of farms, go to these farms and I would tell them, I don't know what you're doing. This is not how you grow this because uh, basically all you're doing is harvesting it and turning it in, you know, taking that what we call biomass when it's all harvested and chopped up, washing it with ethanol and selling off the oil or the crude or what have you. And that's what I used to tell these guys was, look, the money is in the flour that people want what they're familiar with and the benefits of smoking or vaporizing is just, they're just, they're undeniable. But New York um, doubled down, and I'm sure you heard. Uh, I'm sure you heard the decriminalization bill that went through, which you know everyone got a lot of accolades. But what they didn't see was the little bit of language that they decided to throw in at the at the end of that with regards to the CBD industry. And it kind of goes like this. And mind you, this is law now that's supposed to take in in 90 days. So what I'm about to tell you, I would highly recommend your listeners, uh, they contact their, their, their elected officials because this is pretty much outrageous and it puts companies like me pretty much out of business in 90 days. So New York passed a law that said if you grow hemp in New York State, you have to be licensed. We know that. Now, if you want to grow CBD hemp in New York State, uh, you can only sell your CBD hemp to a New York State processor. And if you're a New York state processor, you can only sell it to a New York state formulator or manufacturer, which is what we do. We formulate and manufacture. And that did not exist. There is no license for that. It doesn't exist. The framework, it, it was never there. We never needed a license for it. So they said you can only, only, you can only sell that, that processed hemp to a New York state licensed manufacturer or uh, formulator. And then that manufacturer or formulator can only sell it to a store that's licensed, like a liquor license, to sell CBD and hemp products. And it also outlaws uh, smokable hemp. It also vape cartridges, edibles. It's all gone. In 90 days, technically, based on how the law is written right now, those products will no longer be able to be sold in New York state stores. And to take it one step further, uh, 
if you order offline as a consumer and you buy CBD products from out of state, you're breaking the law. And the company that sells it to you and sends it to you is technically breaking the law because the 2018 Farm Bill uh, allowed the basically made it an agricultural product, but it was still secondary to whatever those states' laws were. Now, there's not a lot of people out there that even know that this is happening. And that's why a lot of those folks like me are getting pushed over to Vermont because we're, we're not here to make a mass quantity product for, you know, for everyone. We're not here to sell you a bottle of tincture that's 300 milligrams of CBD and isn't going to do a dang thing for you. That's not what we're here for. We're here to help people. And if we want to help people, we got to do things a certain way. New York State wants to just commercialize it and market it and because they, I don't know, they must be, they think that there's a recreational market for it, but there's not. It's people that are buying it need it. And that's the worst part about it. We're making it more difficult for the consumer to get the medicines that they need simply because, well, we do things a little backwards in this state, I guess. So, I mean, backwards sounds like exactly it. So, so if, if what I'm hearing you telling me correctly is, is that they would need to pass some sort of regulations in order to license people to sell CBD and manufacture this in 90 days, which anyone who lives in New York knows absolutely nothing happens in 90 days. They don't need to pass anything. They've already passed the law. Well, I mean, I mean, I mean, they'd have to issue regulations, right? right? Like the department of regulatory guidance is going to fall. All that regulatory guidance doesn't, doesn't, it doesn't need to be passed. Uh, It's something that can be added after. But what their their intentions are, and this is this is coming from Albany, coming from you know the the context I have in there, their 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 intentions are to roll the CBD industry into the recreational marijuana bill, and that's why they did not include regulatory language because all the regulations of the CBD market are going to be conducted by the uh, marijuana regulators. So potentially, if they were to pass legislation next year, recreational, which everybody expects to happen, like they would include CBD in that legislation in order to regulate it and get rid of the gray market now with that decriminalization, that that, that amendment probably added to the decriminalization. Right, and, and they recognize that, and this is why they, they want to create a state-run monopoly, because they recognize that the gray market... <laughs> The gray market has got a better quality. The gray market is cheaper. The gray market's coming from people that other people trust. Now, granted, there there is a a big market out there, a gray market that is manipulating and taking advantage of people. I would argue that the fee structures that they've created for violations of those laws, which is $1,000 for the first offense, $5 for the second offense. I can't remember what the third offense is, but for six grand, I can get slapped twice. Now, if I'm a gray market company and I, the only thing I care about is making money and making it as fast as I can, I'm just going to continuously change the name of my product. I'm going to put crap, crap, crappy, I would put crappy product out there and I'm going to make as much money as possible till I get slapped with a thousand dollar fine. What's a thousand dollars if you've made a hundred thousand? So they want to stop the gray market, but at the same time, the, the, the structure that they put in place, the mechanisms to do so really aren't robust enough to do that. All it's going to do is, is affect companies like us where a $1,000 or a $5,000 fine is going to be enough to make us stop. 
we're not what we're going to do is we're just going to move out of the state which is is going to hurt it's going to hurt people in the state because they're no longer going to be able to get those products but um if you're going to so so going back to the smokable there's a question of whether or not smokable is even going to be legal in new york state in the rec market never mind the cbd market so it all ties together. Um, the governor is huge on not allowing smokables in the state. He's dead set against it. But that's because that's somebody who doesn't necessarily understand the plant or why the different methods of intake are important for the patient. Well, and he was anti-tobacco. I mean, he's whatever you the know, public he... wants him to be at the time. <laughs> so fucking true. Um, so, so moving away from state policy a little bit, we, we don't have a ton of time, and I, and I wanted and I want to discuss this issue with you uh, briefly. Um, you know, I know that you're talking about you know might having to move your company to Vermont. Uh, a buddy of mine, as I said, opened up a CBD dispensary uh, right near you in uh, in Schenectady, and uh, they had a ribbon cutting ceremony for his business. Uh, he's been at, at several chamber events. Uh, has your own, you know, have, have Cohoes official, locals officials in the community, how's your company been received by them? We, we operate kind of under the radar. We don't have a big sign on the door. You know, kind of the shows and the festivals and the things that we do and how we engage the public and we sponsor public events, that, that's how we end up getting received. Cohoes has been great. We haven't really had too many experiences. Clifton Park was awful. We were supposed to open the store in Clifton Park, and um, Stephen Barrow, I think is his name, he's the supervisor. He was a belligerent, ridiculous. I mean, it was it was ridiculous enough to where Christian Gillibrand's office got involved. Um, but you know, you don't want to go where you're not wanted, so we ended up going to Cohoes. But let me talk about. Um, how we're received by the, the places that we're going. Uh, we're going to craft fairs. We're going to New York State sanctioned events. We're going to, 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 to regular fairs. These are family events. And these people couldn't be happier to have us there because when we go to these places, we go there with the intent of selling enough product to cover our sponsorship costs. But we go there with the intent of educating. And there's this huge lack of education uh, in knowledge right now in the general public, because going back to where the very first things we talked about is that for 70 years, they were told to think and do things a certain way. And now they're coming to the realization we were wrong. And you would not believe how many um, elderly folks between the ages of 67 and, and 80 uh, they come by the booth and they can, they're, they're so happy to finally have an opportunity for someone to tell them the reality of what they're taking. There's so much confusion when they go to the store and they know their buddy, uh, you know, he got some CBD and it seems to be helping him. So he wants to try it out, but they're too scared. So these, these places really have been supportive of us just because of the education that we're giving alone. Uh, we are really excited to get invited to the Blues Festival, which is a New York State sanctioned event. And um, I have to thank Syracuse and the police, uh, the police department of Syracuse, because the very first thing we did when we got there is we handed out 150 CBD joints, which for anybody who smokes them knows that they smell, they look just like marijuana. But part of what we do when we go to these things is we put flour out on the table. We, we'll sit there and we'll fan the smell all over the place because we have to desensitize people to the smell. In, in, in the site. And 
that's kind of what we were doing with the 150 joints. And we were trying to get people to relax a little bit so that they weren't so concerned about having something that looked like something that was illegal in their hands. And I can say that not once, not a single time over three days did the police bother us or bother any one of our customers. They, we were a sponsor of the event, so I'm sure they knew what was going on. But um, a lot of times we don't think in terms of how law enforcement is viewing all this. And they're put in a really difficult situation because no matter how what you think of law enforcement, they're just doing their job. They're just doing what we hired them to do and what we wrote down on paper and told them was the law, regardless of the fact if it's a bad law or not. So hemp most certainly makes their jobs more difficult, but just because something makes somebody's job more difficult doesn't mean that you ban it or you go after it. You figure out ways that it doesn't make their job more difficult. Um, and, and luckily that's kind of the direction it seems we're going. Syracuse most certainly seems to be going in that direction. Um, yeah, local communities have been great. And I think I mean I met you guys at the Saranac Lake Street Festival. Uh and I and I as I said, I bought some uh some flower uh you know pre-rolls. And I mean it's gotta be a really interesting experience to be in rural upstate New York like that because you have both people who are very conservative and don't understand and don't want to understand, but also you have sort of the libertarian minded um you know, you get a lot of local sheriffs out here, very libertarian minded, um, you know, so, you know, t tell me about sort of doing that in upstate in a rural community. I think rural communities are the best places for it. And it's because at least when I'm the, my wife does a very good job as well, because she listens to me talk all the time. But I, I've written a few papers about the dairy industry. And one of them was called death of the dairy farmer. And when I go to these rural communities, it's like being home because I know what they've gone through. I know that they've gone through uh, dilapidated infrastructure coming from the leather and the paper mills. I, I know that they've had their dairy farms ripped out from under them because of the, 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 the milk co-ops that were supposed to help them. So when I am able to engage these folks, I, I target that audience and I start talking to them about the opportunities of hemp, the opportunities of the farmers, the opportunities of the business owners in the area. And what I've found more than anything is people have never been, uh, they've, they've never had a problem with, with marijuana. They've never had a problem with, with cannabis. They've had a problem with breaking the law. And it almost seems like it's been universally accepted now that cannabis is an okay thing, but for whatever reason, our laws haven't caught up for them. And there's some people who just don't want to break the law or doing any, they don't want to do anything wrong that's going to get them in trouble. And it's valid for them to understand that. But I mean, they see it everywhere now. So it, you, you're either going to accept it or you're going to have to avoid it. And we're finding that more and more are accepting. You know, they they want to come up, they want to ask questions, and they want to learn. And, and that's a, a positive force. So what about the local farmers that you, you've spoken to about cultivating hemp? Uh, what's the most common question you get? Uh, you know, tell, me about, tell me about those interactions. <laughs> the, the, generally, it starts with a few off-color jokes about some some kid in their high school years planting uh, marijuana in the middle of their cornfields. Um, but when we seriously get into the conversation, I start talking dollars to them. And I say, okay, well, if you grew this, this CBD hemp and you grew it the way that I tell you to grow it, you know, you're talking $67,000 per acre. 
if you grow, and we didn't even get into talking about fiber, and we didn't talk about seed. If you grow fiber, that's twelve to fifteen thousand dollars an acre. If you want to grow seed, that's fifteen to eighteen thousand dollars an acre. All of those numbers are vastly more than they're making doing whatever they're doing now. I can't remember what soy is, but it's way less than that. And these guys are businessmen. These farmers are businessmen. And in, and if they can do something that doesn't go against their morals and doesn't go against their ethics, and it's not illegal, they're on board. But we protect the farmers right now because what's happening is we're having these big companies come in like Canopy. And Canopy is going around the state and they're going to farmers and they're, they're telling these farmers, look, I'm going to lease X amount of acres. I'm going to pay for the seed, everything else to come in. We're going to, you know, and they're tying up all this New York state farmland. And these farmers are kind of getting the short end of the stick because at the end of the day, uh, Canopy's making the final decision of what that harvest is worth. And that's why this New York state monopoly is so, so dangerous because if they're focused on just a couple processing facilities and Canopy happens to have this gigantic processing facility and they're the ones that are going to handle all of the hemp coming in from the state, guess who's going to set the price on what they're paying for that hemp? So now a New York state farmer uh, could possibly you know, go down to Pennsylvania or Massachusetts and they could get $3.50 per pound per percent of CBD on their, on their biomass, whereas they're stuck in New York state only selling to Canopy, who says, we're only going to pay you $2.50. And it's the exact same thing that happened with our milk co-ops. So when I'm talking to farmers, that's what we're talking about. Uh, staying independent, uh, avoiding these contracts, which look good on paper, but at the end of the day, you end up cutting your own throat because six years down the road, these guys are setting your prices. And now all of a sudden you're growing product for you're, you're selling it to them for less than it's costing you to grow. For, grow. It's, it's literally milk all over again. So we have to be very, very vigilant and, and watch that. So, I mean, it, it's, it's very, you're in a very interesting position. I mean, you're, you're a veteran. People listen uh, when, when you speak and you're very well-spoken. Uh, your product does uh, speak for itself. It is, it is very good. And I'm not a guy who really like does glowing reviews ever on this thing, but uh, you know, I was very happy. You know, the price was, was great. Um, you know, you have a, you you have a very unique sort of outlook on this industry, just given your history. What advice uh, would you have for entrepreneurs who might be looking to enter the hemp and CBD space? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, honestly, uh, you know, I'm, I, I consult. Consulting is one of the things that I do. I own another company called American Better Enterprise Team. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a company that's grown 2,700% in just the past three years. So, I, I like to build companies and I like to build companies that grow fast and I like to help people be successful in the businesses that they grow. So when I say call me, I'm not even kidding. Um, you need someone to help guide you in this industry because you will get taken advantage of. You will. The bad players are out there. If you don't know who the bad players are, then you're being taken advantage of. So find someone who knows what they're talking about. Be very, very careful. Be conservative. And don't take no for an answer. I think those are probably the, the best three three pieces of advice I can give someone. 
Uh, I like the cut of your jib, man. Where can people, you know, tell them to get in touch with you? How do people get in touch with you? Uh, where can they find out more uh, about your various enterprises? Uh, sure. They can check us out at www.veteranshempmarket.com. It's www.veteranshempmarket.com. And we're also on Facebook. We're also on Instagram. Veterans Hemp Market will pull us up. And of course, you can always just go back to www.veteranshempmarket.com and find all the information right there. We've got a fantastic wholesale program. Our wholesale program, uh, you put $500 worth of stuff in your cart, set up for the wholesale program, you're going to get a promo code sent to you, and you're going to get 50% off your order, $250 worth of stuff for $500. So, out and uh, let us know what you think. He's Jason Ambrosino. He's the owner of Veterans Hemp Market. Uh, he's a former Army officer. Uh, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show. Uh, and, and I can't wait to uh, see you at more upstate New York fairs, man. Great. Thanks for having us. You can find more episodes of the Gondrepreneur.com podcast in the podcast section of Gondrepreneur.com and in the Apple iTunes store. On the Gondrepreneur.com website, you will find the latest cannabis news and cannabis jobs updated daily along with transcripts of this podcast. You can also download the Gondrepreneur.com app in iTunes and Google Play. This episode was engineered by Trim Media House. I've been your host, T.G. Brandfall. Gondrepreneur.